Hello, everyone. Welcome to What's Your Origin Story. This is Alex, and I am here today to say thank you all for tuning in. If this is your first time tuning in to the podcast, I want to let you know what, what your origin story is about. It's about the stories in our life, the stories that make us, the stories that break us, the stories that make us smile, the stories that make us laugh, and sometimes they make us cry, but there are stories. And that's what What's Your Origin Story is about. So if you have a story you'd like to tell, you can always get a hold of me by emailing me at whatsyourorigin23 at gmail.com. Today, I am here with a friend of mine, though I've never met her in person. We have talked extensively online. No, we've not dated, if that's what you guys are thinking. (laughs) Her name is Joanne, and she is a ballerina. She's an accomplished artist. She's also a newly minted doctor. Welcome, Dr. Joanne, with me today. And say hello, Joanne. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, thank you so much for that warm welcome. Yeah, my name is Joanne, and I am a clinical psychologist as of last year. So nice to finally be able to celebrate that. Um, and in addition to that, like you said, I half jokingly say that dance and art are my forms of therapy. I'm based in New York City, born and raised here, uh, part of a big Greek American family, the oldest of a bunch of sisters who I love very, very much. So yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Well, she's she's being very modest because she is a beautiful ballerina. And I know that's something that you said you've had to sort of push to the sidelines a little bit with your career now, now that you've finished, right? And uh, and for those of you that know anything about ballet, it is a really strict practice. That is something you have to work really hard to maintain uh, your ability to stretch, your ability to dance. It's something that you have to work really hard at. And you said that even though it's not something you're actively pursuing, do you still do it every day or daily? Or how do you maintain that? Yeah, so I I always say that I regretfully started dance pretty late compared to most dancers. I, again, I'm not a professional dancer. And I never really considered pursuing it professionally, partly because of the lifestyle. It's fairly competitive. And I'm an early bird. So the idea of having to be at my peak at 8pm for a show was something that I could never really get 100% behind. But um, I still absolutely love it. The physicality, the challenge, the expression, all of it. So I started really in middle school and, you know, have been only falling more and more in love with it. Uh, Like you said, I do practice pretty regularly. So even though I'm not dancing, performing currently, I start pretty much every day with ballet class. I cross train daily as well. So for me, it's the best way to start off my days. It's a huge energy boost. And it just overall supports my sense of well-being, health, enjoyment. Yeah, it's a nice escape for you, I'm sure, even though it is really, really hard. I've seen some pictures she posted of herself doing some ballet. Amazing. Like, thank you. I think if you, to me, it looks like if you had wanted to pursue it professionally, you certainly could have. Um, but, But the tragic thing for ballerinas is that largely by the time they're 27 or 28, their careers are over, especially females. Yeah. Yes. So I would be, even though I'm just starting off my psychology career in some ways, um, the ironic part, like you said, is now I would be nearing the end maybe of my ballet career. So I'm just grateful to be able to continue to dance as long as my legs hold up. And uh, uh, it's like you said, it's very challenging, but I, I always joke even sometimes that 
ballet, pursuing ballet feels harder than pursuing the PhD in some ways. Really? Um, but I've just, I've fallen in love with the process. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those skills to use it or lose it. And it once you stop, you lose those skills so quickly. Yeah. I stretch every night and, you know, I go to ballet class every day and I think of it as like brushing my teeth. It's, not, it's something you have to do regularly. Of course, taking breaks mindfully is important for your body. Listening to your body is number one. Um, but I've kind of gotten into a rhythm and a flow that I find is really supportive for me. And I'm uh, hoping to keep that up as long as, as long as I can. Yeah, that's awesome. It's amazing. Now she's not just those things too. I mean, it is a huge accomplishment, by the way. Congratulations on finishing school. Now you are a minted doctor. That's amazing. That would be a huge accomplishment in and of itself. But then to also be a ballerina, but not just that, she's also an artist. That's how we met. And I'll explain more in a second, but um, tell us a little bit about your art. Yes, definitely. You know, in contrast to ballet, which I really do just for myself at this time. Art is a side hustle for a past few years, probably since I was in college really is when I started to, um, you know, post online and sell my work. My favorite style of art to practice is called chibi style. Uh, chibis are kind of an offshoot of anime or manga characters with particularly big heads and big eyes and smaller bodies to make them look particularly cute. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I do it just not just for myself, but I also now have an Etsy store where I offer custom, you know, artworks where people will send me pictures of themselves and their loved ones. And I get to create pieces that uh, capture personalities, which is so much fun. Um, and I also sell merchandise with my work on it. And I've also had the opportunity to illustrate a few children's books. So it's just been a wonderful journey. Yeah, she has stuff on Redbubble and we're going to have links for all of her stuff too. And that's actually how we met. So ever since um, my husband and I had children, every year for Father's Day, I would purchase um, an artwork, a custom portrait of some kind. And so one year, I, I don't even know how many years ago, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while. Yeah. And I went looking for artists and I was um, particular, I didn't realize it was chibi style or chibi style. Uh, she had to correct me. I didn't know either uh, <laughs> No worries. Uh, that I was looking at, but I really loved it because the, the characters are super cute and the eyes are really big and the heads are really big, but there's something sort of sweet and pure about that, that the way that you do it. And so I just really loved it. And so she created a portrait for us for my other podcast. She's created all the logos for it. I love it. Jesus is my favorite in it because um, the one podcast, Jesus ha has his hands outspread and um, over this like astrology wheel and stuff. And there's a bunch of other stuff in there, but um, Jesus is just so sweet in it. I love it. And so she's done. If you know what that podcast is, or if you want to know, you can, I I'm not going to advertise it on this podcast, but I love, but she's also done the artwork for this podcast as well. Also, I have a business where I make jewelry and she has done the logo for that as well. Um, I absolutely love her work. She made one was a little girl. She's a princess wearing a lotus dress and um, it's for my jewelry line. And she has a little frog on a leash and it looks just like my French bulldog Oscar, but in frog form. So she's really awesome at the collaborative part of that. It was one of the reasons when I initially hired her, I, cause by then I had worked with a quite a few different artists to create things. But one of the things I love about you is that you're so willing to um, collaborate and like really let whoever's work it is 
inspire you or be a part of the process, which I didn't always find with other artists that I'd worked with. And so that's why I always kept coming back to you because you are very kind in the way that you deal with the lay person that is not the artist, as opposed to treating them like, you know, they're idiots and you're doing the creative work, which you are, it's all your work and it's brilliant. And you guys need to check it out. As I said, I'll give you links, but yeah, that's one of the things I loved about you is that you're so open to the collaborative process and your kindness really shone through. But we, it was in in this process of doing all this work, we would just talk and I really discovered what a kind, sweet person. I was not at all shocked that she's in the field of psychology. It didn't surprise me just because the way that you are so thoughtful and kind, and it really does show not only in your artwork, but this is the kind of person you would want to open up and tell something very deeply painful or difficult to you because you're just so kind. I rarely, and I'm not just saying this to flatter you, but your kindness is really something that stands out about you. And thank you. I, I mean, I, and a lot of times you'll meet people that are psychologists. You're like, oh, I don't know. There's something a little distant about them, but you are so accessible and your heart is so accessible. And I love that. But thank um, you. I just, I really appreciate that. And, and I always like to say that, you know, I, I do see it as a collaboration. At the end of the day, sure, I'm creating the artwork, but you or whoever is the other person is the expert in the subjects and their personalities. And I work with them to try to capture, you know, who those people are and get their essence into my chibi. So, uh, of course, you know, I it's, it's a team effort. And uh, I'm just really grateful that it carries over and, it, and you, you can experience and feel that. So I'm eternally grateful for having connected with you so many years ago, because I also feel that exact same kindness and warmth from you. Um, and so it's been quite an amazing adventure. Thank you, but she just did a recent uh, family portrait again for us uh, just like a month or two ago. And it was with all our cats and she captured, especially one of our cats who I say is all hair and hate. You, you nailed her. You <laughs> <know>. <laughs> it was so much fun to draw. When she first year, I was like, oh, no, that she looks far too sweet. She needs to be making stink eye, like, because that cat is locked in stink eye. Um, but she, I just nailed it. It's The boys absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, and and, but the style's adorable. You guys do need to check it out. I'm telling you. She has, in at her Redbubble store, um, I know she has an image of Ruth Bader Ginsburg in Chibi style and Madame Curie. Um, and then there's this beautiful want this girl with fall and it's like her hair it's hard to explain but everything is, is like the fall season it's beautiful you guys it's so cute you have to see it um Thank and you. if you need any work commissioned yeah she's she's the girl because you, you guys are going to absolutely love if you have to work with her but I want to know a little bit more about your art style like how did you decide on chibi like did you go through other styles and was like, mm, that wasn't quite a right fit or explain that to me? Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. So I started drawing when I was very young. I was at the time obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, and one day I decided I just wanted to try creating my own comics and characters. So I would, you know, just doodle on my own. And from there, I ended up expanding into anime art uh, by picking up some how to draw books. You know, I noted, I knew that I wanted to get better at drawing my Sonic characters. And so I would go to like the, the art section in Barnes and Noble and those bookstores and pick up books where I would be able to copy and learn from. After that, I um, 
did more and more anime work. I started studying artists online. So I didn't really have any formal training um, until much, much later um, and learned mostly from observation. And then I guess the chibi style was a mix of different influences. There was not one artist or one person or a group of people that I can point to and say this is where I learned from but it was more of picking up pieces of inspiration um, as I went along in the art journey and my style continues to evolve and change and hopefully I, I hope it gets better um, and that's just kind of the artistic process. Yeah I, I actually have seen uh, an evolution of your work from when I first um, had the first piece done till now uh, the characters are still adorable, but there's a richness. I'm shocked that you are not more technically trained because uh, to me, it seems like there's so much technical things happening. You know, like when you look at a piece of art, you you know, you're looking at it, you're seeing, especially I love art. I love to study it. I love to look at it. Um, but you can see when there's really technical things involved. So I'm shocked that like you're saying that you're not you weren't that trained in that because I see a lot of technical skill in what you're doing, you know, Thank there's, you. there's balance. You. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of kind of, the colors that you use, there's a richness. I don't know. It's yeah. No, I definitely, I don't think I was born having a gift for it or any of the things that I do, but uh, it's more that I, so much. <laughs> it was, I feel like I, I just love these things so much, like the dance, the art that I, was just motivated to put in the hours to improve day by day. And when I say I'm quote unquote self-taught, it's not that I just kind of woke up one day and had those talents or those abilities. It's I did learn from other artists, looking at artists online. I was kind of studying their paintings, you know, not just the anime, but later on I looked at more, uh, I guess the classic artist, classical artists, painters. So I have had many, many mentors throughout my lifetime, even though I haven't met them. And so I'm very grateful to all of those influences amazing um okay so you say you weren't born with these gifts but I mean I can't draw <laughs> you know I mean stick people is really you know, I call my art auditory art because I have to draw the stick person and explain to you what's happening Aww, <laughs> I love that no I think it's there is a, such a thing of as talent for sure and some people are naturally more inclined to certain things but I don't think that that one can't learn to draw and improve especially if you're motivated and love it but I, I, those books that you're talking about, how to draw manga, I, they have several of those. You could, you know, if you were motivated enough, pick up on because it, the, like drawing, a, you know, balanced face, that is a technical skill that can be taught. And I think that's kind of amazing because, but the skills that you're talking about in particular, the, the artwork or being a ballerina, those, sure, you, it helps to have an affinity and the training is a huge part of that. The, the skill that you put in, it's also because you put in hard work. Just, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of putting in the hours and knowing that not every day, you know, not every piece is going to be a, a masterpiece. Not every ballet class is going to be uh, one that you feel like you did your best in or that you're like proud of. Um, but you put in those hours, you get those repetitions in and ultimately day by day, you're building a skill set and you're strengthening yourself. You have to really fall in love with the process and have less attachment to the outcome and knowing that that you're yeah, that the outcome will follow with time. Yeah. Easier said than done, of course. And I'm totally guilty uh, for the impatience <laughs> of that, but um, definitely a mindset that I try to adopt as much as I can. Awesome. So speaking of putting in the hard work, you've recently finished everything and you are now an official doctor. And so obviously you've gone to med school. What was the hardest part about the schooling process for you? 
Because yeah, yes. For a long time, right? <laughs> it was a very long process. And to be, I guess, technically, it wasn't medical school. It was a uh, graduate school, like a PhD in clinical psychology, um, which was still a very long process. So wow. um, I did, I uh, majored in psychology as an undergrad. So that was four years. Then I took a year between to work and get some work experience and research experience related to clinical psychology to boost my application because the application process itself was like a full-time job. I used that year to apply and was accepted into the PhD program itself, which was then another five years of training, uh, plus an additional year after that to get licensed in New York State. So finally, as of this summer, I'm done with all of the training and requirements. And now I'm just waiting for my license to physically arrive. So it's been a long journey and very you know, rewarding, of course. So at this point, I've been seeing, I've been doing therapy for six years, which is sometimes hard to believe. In, in, wow, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, I think when you asked what's the most pa- challenging part of the experience, imposter syndrome is something that I struggled with and do continue to struggle with. And not just in my career, but also with art and with dance, I've had to come to the to terms with the fact that I'm a human being and like there's only so much that I'm able to do. There are so many factors in play. And so I had to set more kind and compassionate expectations for myself and cheer myself on instead of always noticing my shortcomings. I've been trying to practice the mindset that you don't need to be the very best in your field to have a meaningful impact on others, but it's still something that I struggle with. And of course, with time and with experience, I've gained a little bit more confidence in myself. Well, that's amazing. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Explain to people that are listening that aren't very familiar with imposter syndrome, what that is. Oh, yeah. Thank you for if I just jumped right into that. But um, imposter syndrome is a term that really means you feel like you're going to be found out like you're in a position, but feel like you are not you're not qualified enough, or you're not experienced enough. And you just kind of happened to land in this spot out of luck or external circumstances, and that you're actually not capable of uh, fulfilling the duties that you are signed up for. But at the end of the day, most of the time we are in these positions because we worked really hard and potential and we have qualifications. And so those relying on those pieces of logic are really helpful in combating imposter syndrome. Um, Turning to my support network is always very helpful. Just being able to have someone do some reality testing for me when I'm feeling really down on myself is invaluable. And so, yeah, and I also recommend, I may be a little bit biased, but therapy is also very helpful for challenging and working on imposter syndrome. Yeah. First of all, imposter syndrome, what? That's shocking. That's so shocking to me because you're a doctor. You've worked so hard. You're a ballerina. You're an artist. You're like, you're, you're it. You're not an imposter. (laughs) You're like the goal. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And I can point to, you know, other people that I admire and say, and who have also come out and said, like, they struggle with feeling like an imposter sometimes. And knowing that many people struggle with it can also help to normalize the experience. Feelings are not fact. Just because one feels like an imposter doesn't mean you are an imposter. You really have to think about the facts and uh, give yourself some reality testing and some some self-compassion. That's key. So what made you decide to of all the different things you could have gotten into. First of all, what is your field of for psychology made you decide to pick that and explain it a little bit to us? 
Yeah. So I didn't know originally that I was going to go into psychology. I wanted to go into some kind of a helping profession uh, inspired my, by my parents who are physicians. And I just always admired their ability to heal and to help people. So I knew that I wanted to do something like that, but I wasn't sure exactly what. I found my love for psychology kind of stumbling on it. I was an undergrad and I read through the course catalog and noticed that I really liked the description of some courses in the psychology department and ended up taking them and falling in love with it. And then I chose to pursue clinical psychology because I wanted to have a career where I could directly help people. I also myself have benefited from some of the skills that we teach in therapy. And so I wanted to be able to spread those tools and those learnings to others as well. I find the use of therapy extremely helpful. I think that if any of the listeners are wondering about it, or you're slightly curious, you should check it out because it it can really, really help you. I found that in my life, I've had therapy and it was incredibly helpful. It was incredibly healing. She was fantastic because she really helped shine a mirror back at myself when I would do certain things and really helped me make me more aware of like why I was making some of the decisions that I was making and got me to think a little more deeply on things that I needed to work out and super helpful. So if you guys are curious at all, check it out, see a therapist. It it can be so helpful and so healing. And, you know, let's say, and I know we talked before that if you get a therapist and you don't click with them, see another one because that it really is a relationship and you never know who you're going to click with or why, but If you talk to somebody and it feels weird and it feels awkward and uncomfortable, understandably for the first time, I think everyone feels that way. But if it continues to have that weird feeling with that, find another one because there's somebody out there for you, right? When you say? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the research shows that, you know, not just the style of therapy, but really the the relationship, the match, I guess, between the therapist and the client is one of the most important factors in whether someone benefits from therapy, right? And it doesn't mean that you have to match in terms of all demographic information, right? It's more that you feel understood, you feel supported, you feel like you can open up to them. And that's really key. So like you said, don't be afraid to you know, try out different therapists, meet with them, get consultations and, you know, trust yourself. If you feel like something's not right, that, that doesn't mean that therapy is not right for you. It's just maybe you haven't found the right person yet. So what is um, your style of therapy? Yeah, so I right now, I really enjoy working with anxiety and depression and like habit formation in adults. And I practice specifically cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, which I can go on and on and about in a whole other episode. But in general, in summary, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is looking at our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors as you know, one impacts the other. And when we want to change an emotion, we look at our thoughts and our behaviors and try to change those and vice versa. So it's really a present and future oriented approach to therapy. We, of course, want to know what a person has gone through. But then we say, okay, you know, this is what has happened 
to you. And now what are you going to do next? So it's very empowering in a way. It's focused on giving people skills to work with their unhelpful thinking styles to change them, uh, develop healthier behaviors to get them closer to their goals. And like I said, it's something that I myself have benefited from significantly. And so it's great to be able to share these techniques with others. That's awesome. Listening to you talk, it makes me realize that the therapist I was seeing That was also what she was working with me on. And I highly recommend therapy for everyone out there. Just check it out. You know, before you judge, there's a lot of people like, "Mm, I wouldn't do that. There's a time in our lives when everybody, I think, could use a little bit of support. And especially there are so many mental health issues being diagnosed now that it's, it's like an explosion, it seems like. And so hopefully there'll be less stigma because of that attached to it. This is the reason, though, that we need people that do what you do because thank there's you. an thank explosion. You. I think, you know, in I, with the whole pandemic, I think it really exacerbated that isolation that people were feeling and, yeah. um, and the social media that's going around and the, you know, the things that get tossed around and there's so much pressure on young people and nowadays yeah. to be a certain something. And I think that that's not helped. Yeah, I mean, we live in very difficult times for sure. Um, And at the same time, I think uh, finally some of the stigma is breaking because people are having more conversations about it. And maybe, you know, there were other mental health issues already there, but no one was reporting it or talking about it because it was taboo or it was not safe to talk about. That's maybe one silver lining of, you know, what's been going on the past few years is that people are now more comfortable talking about mental health and more okay with seeking help. What would you say to somebody out there that's maybe they're a young person, they're depressed and you might know of that can help point them in the right direction or get them some help? Yeah, definitely. I can like in terms of concrete um, resources, I can definitely provide some links for you to add to the show notes. Um, But also I just guess some mindsets that could be helpful are just knowing that there's always someone who wants to help. Uh, You may not know them, you may not have met them yet, um, but there is someone out there that if they were to know your story would understand and wants to help. People really do care. So don't be afraid to look for them when you are finding yourself in need of that connection. Also, the mindset that has been very helpful for me is knowing that even though we can't control what happens to us, we have more control or more influence over what we do next, like how we respond. So there's, of course, limitations, things, you know, unexpected incidences happen, but that next step is something that we can choose to do or have some choice in. And I think that part of therapy is really empowering someone to know that that is, you know, within their power and helping them to feel empowered to make those decisions. And I guess just one general message, you know, whether or not you're struggling with mental health issues is, I just want everyone to be kind because everyone has a story. Um, As a therapist, you hear about some of the most intense and heavy experiences that a person can go through. And you'd be surprised who is carrying those stories. I mean, even this podcast origin story, everyone has one and we don't know what the other person is going through. So, you know, be kind, just be kind. Totally. I agree. And, you know, I would say you're not alone. Like you said, just reach out because there are, always people that want to help and don't be afraid to let someone know you're struggling. That's what I would say, you know, like oftentimes, you know, be strong, be strong, but 
vulnerability is a new strength, really. Yeah, people don't know if you don't reach out. And so, yeah, definitely reach out. Don't don't reach the end of your rope before you you've tried to like talk to people because there's way and you know, maybe you don't know how to look up resources. I bet you have a friend like me that knows to look up all these things that can help you and that would love to help you. So just you never know, like Joanne said, just reach out and you know, let someone spread that kindness to you because there's there's people that want to do it. I know there's lots of crappy people in the world. But I think if we look in our circle, we realize that the world is not that polarized that's around you. It's it's the the notion of other, I think, that we keep putting out there that seems so polarizing. Just remember that that's, that's outside and that's not the people in your circle, you know, so hopefully you can reach out, right? I think that human beings are capable of the most awful, but also the most beautiful acts, knowing that there are people out there. There is someone who wants to help. And then, like I said, being kind to others, but also to yourself, because being a human is really hard. <laughs> and so giving yourself credit for where credit is due and knowing that by cheering yourself on, you're encouraging yourself and being your number one fan, which is going to be so much more helpful than being your number one critic. It's easier said than done. Yeah. It's easier to be kind to other people, I find, than, you know, yeah. it's kind, I always try and tell my children, like, kindness is free. Give it away as much as possible. There's always more of that. But it's so true that we often don't turn that finger back and go, you know, I could be kind to myself. Yeah. Consider this everyone's reminder to be kind to other than to yourself. A piece of advice you could give to people that struggle with anxiety in particular, what would that be? Do you have any advice? Yes. In those moments, it's hard to kind of reason yourself out of the anxiety. So focusing on the physical sensations and being physically grounded, going back to the breath, by slowing down our breathing, we actually can make that anxiety reaction slow down as well. The mind-body connection is a really, really big thing. So once you're in a more physically regulated spot, then really sitting down with your anxious thoughts and saying, okay, if this were to happen, how would I cope? How would I get through that? And sometimes we find that we're more capable than we give ourselves credit for. So yeah, just focusing first on getting yourself in a even space physically, and then working on that mindset. Explain to people the, the clinical side of it. Yeah, clinical psychology really focuses on what people are struggling with in terms of unhelpful thoughts, unhelpful behaviors, unhelpful emotions, and and the treatment of that really. Do you hope to open up your own practice Yeah. So I do ultimately see myself having a, maybe a small private practice of my own and seeing individuals and working with them one-on-one while also creating tools and resources, combining my love of art and uh, psychology to spread those tools and techniques that I was talking about, making them more accessible to people who maybe can't afford therapy or are a little hesitant about starting therapy or feel like they don't really need that intensive level of care, but would really benefit from just learning some skills. So as of now, that's my intention. That would be awesome. And I know that you mentioned previously that you have done illustrations for a few books right? Yes. Yes. I'm uh, very, very lucky to have had the opportunity to work with a couple of different uh, authors who have found my work online or who I knew, you know, externally. And that is something I'm also really excited about being able to bring stories to life, capture emotions, and also convey messages to, uh, to kids about things like, for example, one of the books was uh, written during the pandemic, and it was about 
how a little bird experiences all the different emotions because he's not able to leave the nest because of a bird flu. So it was that's an example of maybe combining my love of art and psychology. And I guess we'll see where that path takes me. And what's the name of that book in case anyone wants to check it out? Definitely. And I'll also send it to you to put in the show notes, but it's called Bird Sees Home. So cute. That is adorable. Um, I'm going to check it out. But I also want to know now who some of your favorite artists are. I know this is really basic and cliche, but it has to be Vincent Van Gogh. I not only love his use of color, the fluidity of his paintings, um, but I'm also really um, just I love learning about him as a person. A lot of letters between him and his brother Theo have survived over the years, and he writes some really beautiful pieces about his love of art, his love of people, his love of life, and it's just really beautiful. He himself struggled with mental health issues. It's not really clear exactly what disorders or problems he had specifically, but he did struggle with emotional issues. He himself also started, I think, painting quite a lot later in his life. And so that was also inspiring for me as someone who, for example, went into dance later in life than she wanted. So just, you know, another example of just putting in the hours. And if you're really motivated and really love something, you will see progress. But another artist that I uh, have been I found hugely inspiring over my life was Hayao Miyazaki. He is an animator and an artist himself, but uh, also is the founder of Studio Ghibli and, you know, has directed many of the films. I've always admired his ability to take really deep and meaningful life lessons and teaching them through animation in a way that's accessible to, you know, different ages and also just artistically just so beautiful his um his character development is wonderful his the landscapes like everything is just so well done and his commitment also to his work his work ethic is something that I always have found just fascinating everyone always jokes that he says this will be my last film this will be my last film but he keeps coming back for more and that just shows really real dedication to one's life work that's awesome he's great he's uh one of my favorites I really love his stuff I did he do Ponyo too do you remember that yes he did Ponyo as well so again his films range in terms of genre they range in terms of audience but like at the end of the day each one of them is just a, a work of art well I want to first of all say thank you so much for the opportunity to interview you this has been a fascinating look into your life thank you so much for being so vulnerable and so open to this. Um, she's got uh, patience to see right now. So guys, I'm going to put all of her information in the show notes. So if you want to get a hold of her, if you're looking for a counselor, um, when she does open up counseling or any of those things, I'll have all that information. But thank you so much, Joanne. I appreciate you. Thank you. This was wonderful. And not just this conversation, but all of our conversations over the years. I'm so grateful for our friendship and for our ongoing uh, collaboration. So again, I'm just very grateful for the opportunity. Me too. Thank you so much. And we will be in contact again because I'm going to ask her to do some more illustrations for me. (laughs) (laughs) If you can hire her right away, it's probably because she's working on my stuff. But anyway, (laughs) thank you so much. And you have a blessed week. You too. Bye, everybody.